And the king asked to understand better the principles of Imunah because he said, of course, one can accept, one can know, but it's not the same thing as when a person understands. And the answer of the Chavah, the first one you saw, was that there's two ways a person can try and come to the Imunah. The one is through trying to disprove everything else, to look why everything else, all the other options and all the other belief systems, all the other religions are wrong. And he says, the Chaim is too short, life is too short for that. To try and understand every other possible mistake and work for why it's work and why it's wrong. It's not worth the time. And the effort what's the right way to go? To work towards understanding uh, the Munna of Tayyishal first. Why? Because it's understood that it's either or. In other words, every every that every religion claims that they're the only one that's telling the truth and that there must be something wrong with the other ones. So if you can't disprove uh, if you can't disprove Judaism so then, that, that, by definition, that must be the right one. So rather than working to first to work out all the other religions, what they hold and what they think and why they're wrong, we work the other way around. The Maasai is a lot of them were built off Yiddishkeit, like we said last time, both Christianity and Islam is start with Yiddishkeit and then they say something changed, they start with us and then they afterwards want to claim things change. So first, let's prove. First, prove why it's no longer the same. First, prove why. What, 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 where, where, where do they see that anything changed? If, if they, even they have to admit that originally Hashem gave the Torah to Am Yisrael and that, that was originally the Am Yivchat, where do you see anything changed? They're the Christians. That's probably by the middle of our space, Mamre Hamishi. And he says, The Yechidim, the Yechidim, the Yechidim, the Yechidim, the the what it also means it's a car that they have that they can connect to more strongly without having to try and disprove everything else. And uh, they distance from themselves all the other all the other opinions, all their other beliefs. In other words, they don't have to try and uh, understand it to explain why it's wrong. It doesn't interest them. They, they automatically people call it that detach themselves from anything else. This is what it's right. And, until you prove wrong, why should you even listen to anything else? And if that uh, it will be not, what he means by that is that if they were trying to think about the mistake that that's being made, so and really understand what's wrong with it. But I need that in the side point, the king, the Chacham tells the king, I hope, the king, that you one of those people who naturally feels a strong connection to their manna, uh, rather than just using a winner as something to prove and uh, appeal on a logical basis. Now, what he means by this is, and this is a point which he said, I got, but uh, the, the later by the Mahshava talk about it a lot. Is a winner just something which is the result of a certain ability to understand something or prove something or a logical conclusion? Or is a winner something which a person can feel? Which means a person connects to it because he can feel he can feel. And what do I mean by that? Um, for example, Revolve used to say that uh, a person who davens a proper Shmona Yashray, it's Mechazak Ezimona. He feels more than a Muna from davening. Why? Because if a person davens and he feels, I'm talking to Hashem, Hashem is listening to me. So then I get that sense of confidence that I'm being looked after. And uh, similarly, it's another interesting thing Revolve used to say a lot. And he said that. They ever saw 
חפץ חיים. Kilo, I can prove, therefore, that this is the Even the Goyim, even we have Goyim even right. saying that, right? Right. With, with like, Rebar Bar and the Nazis. Say that about, like, uh, yeah, and other people like that also, that they also felt there was a certain, uh, like, aura, culpable aura, like, or Kogadush about a person. And that's not a logical proof. If you're going to discuss it and debate it logically, it doesn't prove anything to us. But there's the Hargosh of which means that as a person can feel, this is, uh, uh, in my own experience, or by seeing somebody else, so I, I can. And then I don't have any questions because I'm, I'm convinced, so to speak, that this is the MS. And that's what it tells the king. Really, it would be better if you would feel that amuna without having to come to the logical deduction first. So I have to be like that. But nevertheless, you asked me to explain to you the amuna on a logical basis, and uh, that is going to do. Since I have to do what you told me to do, which means. To prove to the emuna, so even though I would say it's better to come to emuna from a point of connection to emuna or a feeling of it, I'm going to go the other route and come to emuna from trying to prove it. Now that's something which baatim is a process. We just had the pasuk that a man starts, even a person starting the journey to emuna from v'yadata, what I know, what I understand, but emuna becomes much more powerful when it's v'shavesh which means when a person is which means there is something a person experiences and there is something a person connects to on a level which isn't just because I can prove it's right it's because I can, I can feel how, how, how much it's right that's a much stronger level of a is that a lack in the person if, if, if naturally I don't feel that way naturally so the way the Kazaya puts it is the Yechidim is Lashinwaz you can experience that is Lashinwaz Ha'yechidim it's a chidim, but the truth is a person can get to that stage. It's, it's a development of living with emuna that brings a person to that clarity which you can feel. So both are necessary. If you're trying to explain it, you're trying to understand it, you're trying to prove it to someone else, of course you need to know the idea. You need to know how to explain it before oneself. One's own clarity shouldn't be based just on, well, because I could prove this well, I could debate the point. It's based on the fact that I've experienced it. I've connected to it much more. And the MS is, when a person gets to that stage, they aren't really, it's not, it's not, I don't need the knowledge anymore. It's much more than that. I've, 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 I've experienced it, I've felt it, I know what it means. Because they're completely different up. Okay, so as we said, the king, that would be better, but since you asked me to prove it, so I'll do that. But lo enak b'cha al derech ha-karay. Asha'ara erachachma lakis ni b'lima dreka. I'm not going to work the way that the karayim did, that they went the wrong way. In other words, they try to understand the moon without, um, without understanding the principles first, which the moon is based on. I'm going to go in order. First, you're going to talk about the concept of physical matter, which is called Yuri and Sura. That's the two sides of physical matter. Uh, what they mean, this is really the notion that the Rishonim of that time period all use him and the Ebenezer and the Ramban, they all talk about the study of Yuri and Sura. Here is what we call 
the base materials of which things are made. Uh, if you want to quote it today, maybe the cells, maybe the atoms, whatever it is, the, the different uh, basic materials which create the matter which, through which things are created. The Torah yeah. is the former text. So the way that those things combine in a certain shape, and it looks a certain way, that's what we call the Torah, the way it appears. The Achakach, after he's spoken about that, the next step is going to be to talk about how you say this. These are the elements. And you throw in the Arvi, whatever the Arabic word is, as the four basic procedures which we talk about Hashem used to build the world. The Teva is the Koyach of nature which Hashem created in the world. The Nefesh is something which is alive. The intelligence. So if you're going to go step by step, understanding uh, the different, so to speak, levels that there are in the Briyas, you start by understanding physical matter, and then a level higher than that, we talk about the base materials from which Hashem created all that physical matter that we see, that was called the four Yusaydas, and then going up to the levels of more of a spiritual level, Nefesh and the Seichel, and then afterwards, eventually, when you understand understanding a spiritual dimension, he calls the Chachmelekis. So, let's see, let's see the way the Kuzari explains all these steps. Remember, that's what the king wanted to know. The king wanted to know how do you prove him on it. So, as we said, you have to go in Madragas. First, let's come to an understanding of what we understand in this world, and take it step by step to a higher, a higher place until we can bring it eventually how we're going to relate to or understand the concept of something spiritual. So as the is for speakers, I'm going to give you proofs. I'm going to prove to you that the spiritual world, even in its lowest form, which we call the nefesh, doesn't uh, need the body. Now we talk about this was always the big conundrum of Nimana. The fact that on one hand, Hashem decrees, and when Hashem decrees has to happen. On the other hand, people have the ability to do things. So why isn't that a like the Ramah asks, why isn't that a conflict between what Hashem decrees and what people are, are, are able to do, a person's Bechira? That means Yidiyah. Because there is more than Yidiyah, but Hashem what he wants to happen, oh, as opposed to what people do. That's going to talk about the Rasa. And all these things, we're going to get to the point and explain it clearly in all these principles of Vemana. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. Now, this is just an outline of all the topics we're going to talk about. Let's start from the beginning. Now, remember, these topics aren't just the topics which the Kazari talks about. These are Yisaitis which all the Rishonim talk about because these are all principles of Vemana. So we're going to compare, as you see, the way the Kazari explains it, as Hashem, the way the Ramam explains it, because he also talks about all these things in many places. But in the Halachas Farm, he talks about it in Hilchus Shrova, he talks about it in Hilchus Aisariya Torah, he talks in Abadullah, he talks about these rules. Similarly, and similarly in Shmana Prakim, and in Zaktam Tachelik, and in the Garis Hashmat, he talks about the Salat Ramban. Same thing in the Ramban. The Ramban wrote a few Farm in this topic. And there's Zaktam Tachelik, but there's Shahagul, a number of places in the spiritual Torah. And uh, we're going to see how these topics are explored and explained by the other Rishonim besides the Kazari and see how they, they all came to the same basic usages of explaining these points of them. Okay, so that one, obviously, what the Kazari says, it's what you're learning, and then others will better show contrast to the way the other Rishonim explain the same idea. And it's just like this, why? 
Kamakhashim Rain Sagna Kamasa Mehosam Kim Bakashan. This is the starting point of that anything which we see in the world, if you think about it, we can only understand it because we can use one of our five senses to to be aware of it. Anything in the world. It's either something we can see, hear, smell, taste. We can even have four senses. Uh, something which doesn't form the category of any of those four senses, we have no knowledge of. Feel. Feel is a smaller point. It's a, you're right, there's some things, the most things you can feel you can see. Or at least uh, you, you have other ways of knowing about it too. But okay, we can add that in as well. In other words, without the person's senses, there's no way of picking up information on what's going on around them. And the proof of that is, in every one of our senses, there's a certain range of what our, that of the how, how sensitive our skill of picking that thing up is, and what's to we can't do. For example, a person's sight. There's a certain range that a person can see. Anything out of that range a person can't see, as far as a person is concerned, doesn't exist. There's no way of seeing it. And it doesn't mean the things don't exist. They're just not within the realm of what human vision can see. And the proof of that is, that now we've developed magnifying glasses or microscopes, now you suddenly see things you never saw before. They, what, they didn't exist before? Of course they did. Did anyone know about them before? No, they didn't. Why not? Because you couldn't see them. They were too small for the human eye to see. And something in space, of course. Or it's too far away or too small for us to see, we can't see. We never, we have, would have no idea it existed. It's only now because we have tools which can help us see these things, so now we can see it. Look, they, they attack it. There's a whole world we never saw. And we're talking on the, on the level of how small things can get. So talk about seeing cells, and talking about seeing DNA strands, and talking about seeing atoms, whatever it's going to be. Once again, the human eye can't see any of those things. We wouldn't have thought they existed. It's only when we developed a way that now it falls into uh, the, the field of what our sense of sight can pick up, now we know it exists. I'll give you another example. The range of human hearing is also very limited. Most animals and most birds can hear a whole range of sounds that a human being can't. So it doesn't exist, you can't hear it. Well, you see it there, other things which can hear it, and not only that, now once again, now that you have equipment to pick up sounds, we suddenly can see that there are a lot of different decibels which are too low for the human ear to pick up, but if you'd magnify them, you'd hear them. And so now suddenly you see there's a lot more in the world of sound you didn't know that. And we're not even talking about the world of smell. And that the person is particularly weak. There's very little a person can smell compared to what an average animal can smell, compared to what a dog can smell. So we're going to say, what, we, we, these things don't exist? Well, as far as we're concerned, they don't. We have no way of knowing about them. We have no, even though we don't really have a way of picking up the, the clarity of what a person can smell. So we can understand that there are things which exist, which only we only know about because we are aware that this is something which a sense can pick up even if we don't have that sense. And now with the basis for this, and it's not just because Ari says this, you saw it, two things. Number one. If that's the case, this is the first point, this is a philosophical argument. Can you ever claim something doesn't exist? No. Why? Because all you're saying is, I don't have a way to pick it up. I can't prove it's not there. I just, I can't prove, I, all I can prove is I don't have a way of, of, of verifying if it's there or it's not. So we can never, anything which is out of the realm of any of the senses to pick up, is something we can't deny. We can just say we don't, have, we don't have the way of finding out. We don't have a way of, of, of knowing about that. I'll give you proofs of many things which are happening right here around us, and if it was just left up to our senses, there'd be no way in the world we'd know about them. For example, radio waves. How many radio waves are crisscrossing this room right now? Lots. But we, our ears don't pick up radio waves. Neither do our eyes. 
Right, anything like that, we don't pick up. But, uh, now we have a machine, called a, which, an antenna, which can pick up. Suddenly you see, look, there's a whole range of radio waves. We wouldn't have known about them otherwise. So people could have categorically said, radio, what are you talking about? They don't exist. They are you talking about? Until we can prove they did. But it's the same you said. Something which we don't have the chush, the sense to pick up, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I mean, this, we, have, we, have, we have no way of telling you that. But there's another point, and this is the more important point. But how, how did they know this? Years ago, before the magnifying glass, before telescopes, before Because there was always that process of something which people became aware of, which they weren't aware of before. So For example, a simple lens. A simple, before a magnifying glass, just a simple lens. You can suddenly see things you couldn't see before. And then, you just any, any, any normal lens. Let's talk about fancy magnifying. Mm-hmm. It already shows you more than you can see normally. And that's just somebody who has a weak eye, so it just brings it back to equilibrium. No, you can make it stronger to focus on things more, to make it, it's, it's the very basic way of playing that. It wasn't something which was there hundreds of years ago, uh, and it's hard see the things we didn't know about. Uh-huh. And it's something about every field. That's only half of it. And then that is, why is this important? Because there are all those people, even today, who categorically say that spiritual things don't exist. Don't? You've never seen them. What is the show? Yeah. Spiritual things don't exist in the Sham or life, whatever it is. What does that mean? It doesn't exist. How did you prove that? Because you can't see it, maybe you need to be hearing it. You can't hear it, maybe you need to smell it. Which hush are you trying to use? Which, which sense are you trying to use to prove it doesn't exist? You don't have one. Because none of the a human, the five senses we have, have the, the, the way to pick up something non physical. So how can you prove non physical things don't exist? How are you going to, how are you going to try? Some you can't see it. Maybe you can't see music either. Maybe it doesn't exist. No, I can hear it. Okay, so you see yourself. There's some things one sense can pick up, and the other sense can't. And if something which neither sense is going to pick up, then you would never know about it. So how can you say something doesn't exist? All it means you don't have the way to, 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 to try to find out. You don't have the tools to, to, to examine it. Okay, that's the first point. And that's why the, the, the argument to say something doesn't exist isn't an argument which makes sense. But there's another point here also. And this is the point which disturbs us more. Because there's another, and that is something that a person's uh, senses can't pick up, he'll never be able to understand. Something a person's senses can't pick up, he'll never be able to understand. But the human brain can't invent new things. The human brain can only pick up information and then, com- and, and based on that, compare other things to information it knows about. And I'm going to give you two simple examples, and think about this a little bit because you'll see how right it is. Things we all know well. But that's because these are things that we've experienced. So we know it because we've used our senses to experience it. And I'm going to try and ask you to try and explain either of these two things to a person who doesn't have that sense. And my first example is, not even a person who's blind. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about a person who's colorblind. He sees everything in black and white. And he says, you know, this, I can see this, uh, this mirror is like a beautiful brown table. He tells exactly what's brown? Try. How are you going to explain brown? It's a color. It's a light color. It's a dark color. It's a rich color. It's a strong color. What does it mean? Maybe red. It's also maybe purple. What are you talking about? You got to think about it. You have no way to explain the color brown. The only thing you're going to say is, well, it's the color of chocolate. It's the color of coffee. Well, what's that? I can't see that either. Tell me what brown looks like. You, you, there's no way. Think about it for a little bit. You'll see. There's no way to explain the color to somebody. Because if he hasn't experienced, this is called brown, and he's not idea what you're talking about, and you have done any of the cavalry to explain it. It's impossible. It's the first point, which if a person doesn't have the chush to pick it up, there's no way you can explain it. And to Kalbuchem, a person is blind altogether. Try to explain sight to him, 
It's impossible. If a person doesn't have the chosh, he'll never be able to understand what you're talking about. And ask another example. Let's say you, uh, you tell someone that you know, yesterday we went to an ice cream parlor and you had a strawberry ice cream. So, wow, what's a strawberry? Never had a never had strawberry. Well, okay, explain to me, what does strawberry taste like? Try, what are you going to say? It's sweet? Everything is sweet. It's, 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 it's red. Well, what, what taste is that? Well, you have no way. Uh, so, it, the same idea. If I've never tasted it, then I have no input into what strawberry means. I tasted it, then I've had the chush. I've had the experience, and now I know what you're talking about. And when I've experienced now, I'm putting things together. I know what brown is, I know what yellow is, I know what green is. I said it's, it's a little bit between brown and yellow with the background of green. Now I'm not talking about it because I know what all the contents mean. But if I'd be missing out on one of those first points, there'd be no way I understand what you're talking about. And only that, there's no way you can explain it to me. There isn't a way to, to transfer information of something which needs a sense. Anything which needs a person's sense to be able to become aware of, there's no way to explain it. Which is everything physical. Which is everything physical, because everything physical, we only know that because we experience one of our senses. And now that I've experienced something, now I can build on that. Now I can work with it, I know what you mean. But without that, I, I have no way of understanding. And I think about it. Let's talk about the malach. We were talking about here, let's talk about, we're talking about malach. You're going to ask me, what's the malach? What am I going to say? Which sense did you use to understand it with? Four wings and... So now the problem is... The problem is, people make a picture in their minds and they see the picture. And that's their mistake. Because the malach isn't the physical thing you can see. And it's true, Yechazko Paint uses a picture, but it doesn't mean a physical thing. He's trying to explain a concept. But then we think of the malach as little things floating around with wings. It's a mistake, they're not. They're not physical things. So how do you meant to understand it? And that's the big problem, which is what's why setting it up. He's going to say, you must understand, King. We're going to try and explain Ruchnis to you. You have to understand that this is a different field of understanding because what everything else in the world you understand, you're relying on your senses. And you're just relying on what you already know because you've seen it or heard it or felt it or tasted it, whatever it might be, and building on that information. And now we're talking about something that you don't have a sense for. You don't have a sense for. So you're going to understand it. That's why he says you have to build the process slowly that in building something you do understand from something you don't understand so you can understand what you're talking about. And really, even though the, the Kuzari was talking more as so the Rishonim speak, but Kabbalah goes the same route. Because once again, you're trying to talk about spiritual concepts. Well, how are you going to do that? We don't have the counterpart in the physical world that you're going to compare things to. It's not a physical... So how's the person going to understand Kabbalah? What's the experience that you had that you know I'm talking about even? So that's why it has to be a similar principle. We're talking about a field where we don't have a starting point of information because we don't have a sense that can relate to it. We don't have something that we've seen, heard, felt, whatever it's going to be, that gives us the, the, the starting point of the reference that we can work with. Because those are the first two principles in philosophy that we very start with. Number one, that everything that a person understands has to come from the sense. And, uh, number, and without that, and things which, which don't have a sense, we don't have a way of proving that they aren't there. We don't, we don't have what to talk about. And number two, when we talk about things which we don't have a starting point for one of our senses, you're going to have to find a new way to talk about them. And you're talking about them. But now you're going to ridiculousness. And people say, I don't believe this there's Hashem because I can't see Him. So what? So what? What does that mean? You can, there are things you can't see. It's not a right to anything. Hashem is not living in the realm of something physical to be seen. So that doesn't prove anything. Someone says I don't believe in Hashem, but if someone says I know that Hashem doesn't exist, 
Because again, it's the same thing. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense. It says it doesn't believe because you can't see during the time. Okay. So it, it doesn't have any. Same idea. It's, it's not something you're meant to see. It's not something you're meant to see. Why don't you say, I don't believe, I, don't, I, don't, I can't accept Hashem because I couldn't taste Him? It's, it's, one's as stupid as the other one. There, there aren't things you're meant to connect to with senses. And therefore, joins the world of sense. My sense doesn't bring me there. Of course not. It's not in the realm of something a sense can see. And so that's, that's the first basic mistakes. But they're, like we're going to see, these are important points uh, which we need to get. Because this concept, of, which something which doesn't have a sense to pick it up, it's hard for a person to understand, to, to, to accept in his heart. How can we understand something which has no size, no shape, no, no nothing we can see, nothing we can connect to in a physical sense? In other words, we we can only rely on something without our senses, and now we have to decide if it's right or it's wrong. And then the a person's understanding has to come to decide is this right or is this wrong, and decide what's right or what's wrong without the benefit of the senses. So we're talking about a different field, and that's what the cycle needs to do, uh, which is like we're going to explain. That's that's uh, that's the starting point of. Uh, the Kazari's introduction to to explaining the concepts of Imuna, which is going to tell the king, but tomorrow we'll go back and see how he begins to explain it from this point. <laughs>